Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Father God, we thank you for what you've given us. And uh, with whatever is offered this morning, Lord, show us how to use that for what is important to you. Give us eyes to see the needs around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before we get started with the message, uh, I wasn't planning on this being a test. We always do greeting. We always, But you never know who you're going to run into. You never know who might be sitting next to you. And so uh, before everyone arrived, uh, Russ came up and said, hey, there's one of your old college professors that came all the way from Utah to see you. And I was thinking, who's this? And I looked, and it's Norm Shoemaker, who's... I start to tear up when I think of him just being here. And so I was, wa- I was walking to see, see if anyone said hey to him. Because <laughs> none of you guys know him. And so he's sitting there, and at first, no one, he's just kind of standing there, old, smiley, happy guy with all of this influence changing the world, and I'm literally changing the world. And then I saw a few people go up and say hey to him, and then next thing I know, he's talking. I'm like, ah, it works. You guys actually greet each other and look out for people that don't know anybody. But... Actually, he's going to come up later, which I didn't realize because I didn't know he was coming. Um, but one of our mutual friends who he was the boss of changed my life. And, um, so I'm going to talk about him in terms of Lent because it's Lent. I don't know if you knew that. And so I wanted to show you something that I thought was uh, a good intro for where we're headed this morning, but also for Lent. So. Most people don't understand what Lent is about. Uh, I don't know if I fully understand what it's about, but we think most of the time it means we have to give up something. We have to sacrifice. The word sacrifice is involved with the season of Lent, but probably not in the way that you're thinking. So as I was wrestling with how to communicate the word sacrifice, I try to remember the first time I saw sacrifice. Now, it doesn't mean there wasn't sacrifice done towards me prior to this, but I think it was the first time that I saw it. Because there can be beauty all around you and you miss it. There can be sacrifice towards you and you miss it. But this is a time that I saw it. I was at uh, college and I'd made a decision just shortly before that to follow Jesus. I didn't fully understand what that means. Pretty much. Same condition I'm in today. And as I was trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, I was looking at men and women that were following him, and I thought, well, I should jump in behind them. And so we had a very influential experience, opportunity, where at our university, I feel like I'm doing an ad for my university. It was a college at the time. Now they've upgraded it. Now it's a university. But they would take us around the world to serve. And they eventually called those trips after I'd graduated, they called them Love Works trips. And we were going to Brazil, one of my first opportunities to leave the country. And we were going to serve in different poor areas and with different churches. And back in that day, you'd have these plane tickets. 
it was called paper. I don't know if you know what those things are. It's paper, and it'd be a paper ticket. And there was 30 of us, and so we had to fly to New York, and then from New York, we had to fly this ridiculously long flight down to South America, to Brazil. And so when we flew to New York, um, Dana Walling, and I know you've heard me mention him before, but there's a reason, because he was such an influence in my life by the way he lived his life. So I was always watching to see how he did things. So on the plane, on the way to New York, he had to hand out the tickets for once we got to New York, then going to Brazil. And so he's standing up in the aisle, and everyone, you know, 30 college students, which made everyone else on the plane miserable. And he was there with a stack of tickets, and he's passing them out. And I see as he pulls one, it's like he recognized the ticket, like he was looking for it. Like, oh, there it is. And he took it, and he slid it underneath. I'm like, oh, what's he doing? It's like a guy playing poker that, you know, cheating with cards. So he took it and he slid it underneath, and then he passed out all the other tickets. Now, the thing you need to know about Dana is that he is an extrovert beyond extroverts. He wants to be with everyone. He's a laughing, upbeat guy. And when they gave us our tickets, you go through a, an agent, and they get us all together. But every once in a while, there's a ticket that's off on their own. So he's passing out all the tickets, and then he, the last one is his ticket. Now, at that age, I'm thinking, oh, he must be in first class. He was sliding on the knee so he could get the best seat. Makes sense. He's an old guy. We've got to take care of the old guy, make sure he's in good shape. But it wasn't. In fact, we were all together in our groups for this super long flight. But he took the ticket all by himself, which is more torturous for him than for anyone else because he's more of an extrovert than any of us. And it was a ticket between two huge people in the back next to the toilet all by himself. And he's a big dude, so he squeezed in there. And I remember standing up on the way to Brazil and just seeing him back there. He didn't look happy, but he didn't look sad either. He willingly made that sacrifice. Why would he do that? Why would he do that for us? That is what Lent is about. It's about sacrifice. And God himself made it about us. When you think about Lent, you think about the sacrifice that you're supposed to make. But I want to have you think of it differently this season. I want you to think, instead of looking at what you need to sacrifice, instead, look at the sacrifice that was made for us. There were so many people on that plane so many different students, and I don't know if any of them saw it because they weren't looking. I think I just kind of happened into it because I was so desperate to learn what it meant to be a man that I was looking at him all the time at different ways. Or maybe, maybe that's an idealistic way to think of it. Maybe I was just sitting there greedy going, which ticket's going to be mine? Which one's going to be mine? Do I get a good one? Do I get an aisle? Do I have to sit in the middle? Do I get a window? That's what sacrifice is. The reason he did that, because the definition of sacrifice is when you give away something that's valuable to you for something that you love more or consider more valuable. It shocked me and kind of broke me up because I realized he thought of us as more valuable than himself at that moment. Now, Dana was a huge influence in my life, but the dude was not perfect, right, Norm? I mean, he was a human being. So how, where did this come from? Where did this gift of sacrifice come from? 
I want you to open up your Bibles, and we, we showed it to you earlier, well, read it to you earlier, in John chapter 1, I'm going to try to adjust this and see if I can keep this from cracking anymore. John 1, 9 through 14. This is, this is very similar to the story I just told you, only it was done for all of us. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There is so much packed in there, but I want to keep it simple, and I want to look at just this one verse. Verse 12. Actually, let's go to 11 and 12. He came to that which was his own, us. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in this amazing gift, in this amazing sacrifice that God has made for us in his son Jesus, that he, although being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took on the nature of a servant, of a slave, and gave his life for us. And yet, it says here, we missed it. So many of us missed it. How does that happen? Now, I've been looking for an excuse to show this video, to share this story. The video actually isn't that great. It was done with an iPhone probably an iPhone 3. Did we have those? Is that, was that an actual iPhone? But it was real bad, real grainy. But the story behind it is so powerful. Um, imagine, well you, don't, well, you have to imagine because you weren't there, but it was in D.C. in the metro station, and it's rush hour because everyone's trying to get to work or to drop their kids off at school. And so this man comes in, and he starts playing his violin, you know, a little hat, sweatshirt, you've, you've seen it, opens up the violin case, and he plays for about 45 minutes, six different songs, um, which tells you how long classical songs are, if you can do the math there, they're quite long. So he's playing this music, and 1,100 people come through during the 45 minutes. Six, maybe eight total people stop. One of them was a man, a uh, middle-aged man. I realized when I was looking through that story, that defines me. I'm not a middle-aged guy. So a guy like me stops and looks at it, but then looks at his watch, and he takes off. So the guy's playing the music, and he takes off. Then there is a, uh, a little boy that walks up, and he stops. But mom grabs him to pull, in fact, several kids. Sound guy. It's not going to work, is it? You can all say thank you to, to uh, Okay. 
So the man continues to play. A couple other kids come by, and the parents, every single one of the parents drag the kid away. Not angry, not like scared of the guy, but we've got to be someone. This isn't worth it. Keep going. Well, it turns out that the man had just played a concert the night before in Boston. Uh, each ticket sold out. Each ticket was $100. He's kind of like the Norm Shoemaker of the metro station. Nobody knew who he was, but he's kind of a big deal. And so he's there playing this violin. It's a $3.5 million violin. He's playing this beautiful music that everyone else paid so much money for, and nobody noticed because they were in such a hurry. The guy's name is Joshua Bell. And he's one of the most accomplished musicians in the world. And the Washington Post newspaper wanted to do this experiment to see how people reacted to beauty around them, to see how much of a hurry they were in, to see if they could see their surroundings and see what was happening. Well, most of them missed it, obviously. That's much like what this passage is saying here. I mean, Joshua Bell made this huge sacrifice and brought this great beauty and love for them. Music that would have cost them so much, and yet he was giving it away. But because he was giving it away, maybe that's why people didn't pay attention as much. Psychologists, when they looked at this, they attributed it to a condition called hurry sickness. I didn't know there was a condition called hurry sickness. Here's how you know if you are familiar with it. Um, if you are always checking your phone, that could be an indication because you need to know what's happening, what's happening next. If when you get into the elevator, you're always hitting the door close, like you don't want to wait for it. Like and I'm not making this stuff up. These are actual conditions that psychologists said you need to look to. Um, I was actually introduced to this term a few years ago by Jojo. It's called FOMO. Didn't know what it was. Uh, and in this condition, the psychologists say, if you're always checking social media to see what you're afraid, I guess that's what the F is, uh, afraid of missing out or fear of missing out. And so this FOMO, if you're always wondering if there's something you need to do or something you need to get to, people with FOMO are trying to squeeze too much into too small of a space, usually time. And so this rush can get in the way. We sent out this, um, this link to a, a site that Biola's doing, which is, I went through it for Advent, and it was so good, I wanted to offer it up to anyone that wanted to go through it. It's called the, uh, the Lent Project. And daily, they email you uh, a scripture, a devotional, a piece of art, a piece of music. It's beautiful. And yet I find myself in such a hurry sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't have time to do that. I've got to get to the next thing. We're all kind of caught up in it. We're in this society where it's dragged. It's, it's a society with a sickness that is keeping the purpose of Lent away. Because God has given us so much and there's this beauty and yet we need to pause to be able to see it. But we're in too big of a hurry to pause. So we drag ourselves away from this beauty we drag ourselves away from the sacrifice that was given for us because we are so loved and we are so valued because we're in a hurry. Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. 
He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. It's a lifestyle that he's given us. And so you can look at this life and go, oh, poor Jesus, poor Dana, poor Josh Bell. These people that made this sacrifice and nobody appreciated it. But that means you forget why they did it. They did it out of love. Christ died for us because he values us and loves us. We can get caught up in the guilt or whatever else comes through there and forget that there was a purpose behind it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is one of my favorite passages. There's really only one part of it I need to read to you, but since I love these two verses so much, I'm going to force you to go through both of them with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And here's the key verse I want you to hear. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It wasn't that hard for him. He wanted to do it. There was joy for him to endure it. It sounds crazy, but when you are the essence, the complete definition of love, then you willingly sacrifice. The reason that Dana could do that was because he was very keenly aware, not every second of every day, he's just like the rest of us, but he was keenly aware that God loved and valued him. That God sacrificed for him. And that created this freedom where he didn't have to hold on to things that didn't really matter. And he willingly, with joy, took that horrible seat so that we could benefit. What parent is like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. I mean, sure, we do complain. But we love our children. We do it with joy. We may complain, but we would do it over and over and over again. We'd want to do it. We uh, were debating when to do a, a time to celebrate all those that have sacrificed and served in this community of faith, which is pretty much all of you. All of you in one, this is one of those churches where it's part of our DNA. And so many of you give so much. And we said, we just want to get together and and thanks so many of you. And so few really wanted to follow up with being thanked. Why? Because they didn't do it to get a thank you. So many people volunteer and serve that when we offered them sandwiches, which we have a ton of sandwiches, so even if you don't serve at all, please come eat. But for those that are serving, for those that have given, we, uh, Kim and the crew make all, got all these sandwiches and these cute little tablecloths that you never see on benches up there on the upper lot because they wanted to convey their thanks, their appreciation for the sacrifice that so many of you have made. And yet, when we do that and talk to you and even try to face-to-face -to -face say thank you to so many of you, you're like, no, 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 it was nothing. 
Partially because you feel weird about it, because like, don't say anything nice to me. No one's supposed to say nice to me. But also because you didn't do it to get that reward. For the joy set before you, you wanted to give to others. And when you're not here, it's noticeable. This morning we had a, a mix-up, and so whoever's going to set up the, the projection unit couldn't, and Kim's up there trying to figure it out. We knew that person was missing. And yet the people that come and do this, they're invisible. And they like it that way. The, the people that made this beautiful vine and branches, and I don't even know how you do that, but they're behind the scenes. The people that cut the donuts and, and make the coffee and set up the chairs and, and are up there right now with the children, loving on them. They willingly, for the joy set before them, there's always that peace in there. When you know how much God has loved you, it sets you free to want to do that for others. Well, Dana, Dana became very sick in 2000. He came down with a, a, a brain tumor. And um, I was up here in Orange County. And so uh, I heard he was sick. Someone told me he was sick. And I came down to see him. And Dana was perpetually overweight. He's a big dude. But not at this point. He was really small and lost use of part of his face. And he's a singer and a musician, but he couldn't do any of that. Um, and I remember sitting in his living room as he shared these stories. And so I ended up coming down a few more times. We called it, uh, there was a book at the time called Tuesdays with Maury, which is an amazing book. And so we called our time together Wednesdays with Walling. He knew the end was near. And so I drove from Orange County during traffic down there back. It never felt, okay, that's a lie. <laughs> it did feel like a sacrifice. I was in a hurry. We were doing Young Life, we had a lot of kids, we had a lot of things going on, but I knew how valuable he was. And I knew that our time was valuable. And so for the joy set before me, I would go down there. That's what God's love does. It sets you free. You're not caught up. You're not, you're not held back because of what he has done. Lent is a time for us to pause. Some of you are pausing in different ways. Some of you are sacrificing something. If you're just sacrificing something because you think Lent is like, well, I need to give up something that's bad for me, and then I'm going to take it up again on Easter. That's not what it's about. It's about a stepping back and looking at the one that loved us so much that he gave his only son so that we could be set free. God loved us that much. Lent is a time to step back and see that. You won't have to make yourself sacrifice. You'll want to do it out of love. So I go, I go through these passages with others during the week, and a good friend of mine shared an experience that he just had uh, it's a group, um, CCSC, Corrective, Correcting, oh man, I'm going to mess it up. Anyways, they fix, uh, they do surgery to correct um, uh, abnormalities, diseases that take place in children. These surgeons, this surgical society, travels around the world doing these surgeries, corrective, whether it be cleft palates, cleft lips, 
uh, tumors on the outside, tumors that are destructive on the inside, outside. They, they do all of these surgeries. And so they were in Michoacan. And as I shared this, this, these passages and shared the focus of Lent, my friend began to share this story with me about this group. He had just met with them this last week, and then he shared this story. He said that they were down in Michoacan on a Thursday, early in the morning, and they had 200 kids waiting for them. They can't do every child's surgery, so they have to look at the conditions, choose which ones are life-threatening, and then go from there. And so there was uh, this little girl, and she has this, uh, it's a mixture of different um, abnormalities that could have caused it, but her ears were huge, and they were sticking straight out. And she's a little girl, and so she's getting made fun of. And so they chose her as one of the people they would do the surgery for. So as they're getting ready and, and talking to her parents, and she realizes that she's going to have the surgery, she's like, what about my brother, Francisco? And like, well, you know, we don't have enough. Well, then, you know what? Do him. He had the exact same condition with his ears. She said, you know what? Let my brother take my place because I can grow my hair out. And so they're like, what? You don't see that often. Like, that hits us because like, what? It, there's something that happens inside of us when we hear those stories because it's right, because it's the way it's supposed to be. And so Francisco, they ended up doing the surgery for him. Uh, they didn't have an anesthesiologist to put him all the way out. So they're like, what are we going to do? And one of the surgeons said, hey, Francisco, he was 16 at the time. They said, we can do a local anesthetic, but you're going to have to stay awake, and you can't move for two hours, maybe three hours. Can you do that? He, said, he was pumped. Let's do this. So they did it, and then they were so moved by the sacrifice of his little sister, they did hers as well. So the man had just gone back recently down to Michoacan, and Francisco came running up, and he was so excited. He just got his first girlfriend. And he was just so thankful. And he just wanted to communicate. What could he do? He just went up and hugged this big surgeon, 60-year-old guy, and was so thankful. Can you imagine if as a people, as the community of faith, as the church, if we were to live our life that way, to say, no, 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 no. Do them first. I can grow my hair out. Do them first. We're set free to do that. During this season, if you will pause, get out of the hurry and look at Christ and look at the sacrifice that he made for us and know how much you are valued and know how much you are loved, then you don't have to make yourself or be guilted into sacrificing for others. You get the superpower automatically. That's how God's love works. I would love to see how Francisco is treating other people now. I know how I look at life differently because of Dana. But above all, let's look at Christ. During this season of Lent, don't be in a hurry. Slow down. Pause. Look into the Word. Pray. Sit. And realize that you are so valued and loved that God died for you. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And they've... Uh, we wanted to give a little more time to worship and prayer. So they are going to lead us from here. If you could, 
Um, we're going to start standing, but if any time if you want to sit, please go ahead and sit. So if you could stand with me, if you're able. And if any time if you feel like you need to sit because that's the position of worship you need, then please do it. But we want to start standing. Let me pray for us. Father God, my words, I don't have any more words. Thank you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, above all during this season. Give us eyes and ears to see you. I know everything will change after that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've heard a bunch of things about the grace of God, the magnitude of sacrifice somehow being intermixed with joy set before him. And talk about the benefit of an eternal perspective, uh, that sometimes we as people in our finiteness just cannot get, and yet we're being invited to it. Um, Lent, not having to do a bunch of stuff necessarily, but we're being invited to pause and slow down. So things like gratitude might start springing up from the soil of our own hearts. And it may not just be a day, it, it could be a couple years down the line for some of us to have that gratitude start growing out. And I think that's okay. You gotta give yourself permission for things like this to to move, but for those of us that may not have a lot to be grateful for based on what's real for you right now, that's okay. You have permission to be upset about what's going on in our world and in your own life. God understands that and he's here with you because it's real and it's for you right now and it's people don't understand what you're going through. And, and then for others, not that they're further along, but they're in a different season. And then God calls us all together and is mixing us up right now, so admittedly, it's probably difficult to communicate sometimes. It's a time of Lent, mixed with great joy because of the sacrifice and what's before us, but is also here right now, and we have these converging testimonies of both. So in this time, let's pause to listen to each other. Let's weep when we need to weep with each other and rejoice because there's legitimate stuff to rejoice about too. But I think that's the more real life we're all a part of and it's still God's kingdom breaking through in all of it. Um, may God that great shepherd of the sheep who died for us, and may the Father who raised him from the dead equip all of us to deal with these varieties of experiences we're going through right now, and may he fill us all with the Spirit to navigate it messily, but because of the joy set before us. In the name of Jesus, amen.